Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us on our online campus. Happy birthday journey. What an amazing day. It's not my birthday. It's not the staff's birthday. It's not, you know, any human's birthday. It's God's uh, day to celebrate because he's been moving in a group of people for 11 years. I'm blown away. I'm blown away by that. I saw a friend of mine that's a pastor of another church and he's like, how long has it been? Like five years. And I was saying 11 years and it just warms my heart to see what God has done and all the amazing things that have happened over the last 11 years. Now, last year we were kind of all on timeout. So it's really not a full 11. It's like 10 and a half or you know 10 years because 2020 was just one that you want to get off of the books but I am so excited and this year if you're online right now know that at 10 o'clock we're going to do a live service and we're going to have people outside on the backyard burgers and brats it's going to be amazing now, I want to give you a little bit of history about the church because I think it's so critical for everybody especially as new people come into the church they know how and why and what the church was built on. The first thing that we were built on is that we were going to grow the kingdom of God and not just a little castle or a small church. We are not interested in just building a little church. We want to grow the kingdom of God. And in that, we were going to love the world one person at a time, right where they're at. And that comes from Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31, which says, love God with everything that you are and love others as you love yourself. And that's the idea of loving the world one person at a time. We want to grow the kingdom and make the world a better place. That was the foundation of what Journey was going to do. And I think we've done it well. The second thing, and this is kind of an awkward one, but the second thing was to bring people who have walked away from God back into the church or people that have been wounded at church or been, you know, struggled or someone at church has hurt them or something. We wanted to bring people back. Now, James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20 says some pretty interesting things. And this is what we are founded on. It says, brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring you back that person back remember this whoever turns a sinner from their error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins the idea here is if we bring people back it's a huge blessing and it covers a multitude of sins and it's like saving them from death it's saving them from eternal separation from God bringing people back who have walked away from your faith or their faith that's one of their keys and so if you're online and you've come and felt like journey is something that's brought you back to faith put a thumbs up on that chat bar say hi to pastor Dustin online we want to really engage with you in this online uh, service number three is healing the underbelly of the church is healing now it's done in a couple different ways. Number one, it's just by being real people with 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 real you know a real faith. It's also by being transparent. It's being authentic. We're not trying to be the coolest hippest church in Ventura County or California. We're trying to be real people trying to live a, a gospel life. And in that, there's a bunch of healing. And there's been incredible, incredible. And I can't even say the word, it's been so powerful, incredible healings physically and mentally and spiritually. And in those 11 years, people have been impacted and touched by God. And it just warms my heart. It makes me want to uh, uh, just kind of well up and cry like I normally do. 
The fourth one is marriages. We have built our church on marriages. I remember sitting down and going, the church has to have healthy marriages. And and if there's healthy marriages, there's going to be a blessing that comes from the top. And that's something that we focused on. And hopefully in the next three or four weeks, six weeks, I'm going to start or at least by the end of the year, do a marriage class, a four week marriage class, because our marriage is needed, especially coming out of a pandemic. We want healthy marriages. And that's one of the things that we wanted from the beginning. Uh, The fifth one was being Holy Spirit led. Now that's awkward because I don't know if you guys know this, but many churches in uh, in the world kind of neglect the Holy Spirit. It's like, well, how does it work? How you know? And so it's kind of the lost or forgotten part of God. We we know God the Father and we we love Jesus as the Son, but the Holy Spirit led one isn't very prevalent. And today's church doesn't like the Holy Spirit being led. And in our area, when you say that, you know, it kind of sometimes is a little scary and maybe chaotic, but we want a healthy spirit-led church, meaning we want the word of God and the power of God and the spirit of God to go forth. And that's more important than pleasing man. And the last one kind of hurt my feelings as I was thinking about it about a month ago as we were preparing for the birthday. It was planting churches. I remember telling people for the first five years, we're going to plant three to five churches in the first 10 years. Now, as the 11th year came up, I'm like, we haven't done what I thought God was saying that we were going to do. But then God said to me about three or four days ago, Jeff, you might not have planted churches in the United States but you've done stuff, not me personally, but the church has done stuff amazingly outside of the United States. One of our favorite guys that comes out every so often, Pastor Noah, who lives in Slovakia recently in the last year or two, kind of stepped out of his ministry and decided to plant his own church. And we've been sending money and helping him build his house so that he can start a church in his house. And that's part of us planning a church. The second thing that's happened is I'm part of a missionary organization in Mexico called Open Doors. And we've been able to plan and influence several churches down there. One of the churches that every time we go to Mexico, we're a part of is the MIT church. And my sister, who's a missionary at our church, is highly impactful on the MIT church. So we have been a part of that. We helped in some ways get that started. But I know that even on the last mission trip, we were out there, uh, a few of the people stopped at this guy's house and he said, says, could you help me build my backyard so I can do church? So we've been able to plant some churches in Mexico and recently, and this is the most crazy thing. Say, put in the tool, uh, in, in the, in the comments, June 18th. That was literally a month ago. A month ago, a couple families from church along with Journey had decided that we are going to support a church down there and we're going to not only plant a church, we're going to actually build the church. And so we all donated money and sent it down into Peru and look at what's happened. Less than 30 days, this church a week and a half ago started worshiping on the inside. It's got a floor, it's got walls. I mean, it's really amazing and we have helped put this church on the map and now this area has got the opportunity to truly celebrate Jesus in a very unique way. God has done amazing things in 11 years and my heart is warmed and I'm so grateful and I hope you are too because our staff and our council has put a lot of blood, sweat and tears for the kingdom of God. And it's because we love you. And I want to invite you back to church. If you're online, I want to invite you back to church because it's super critical that we come together. Don't neglect, I think Hebrew says, of of, of coming together as a body. We need to come together. But if you stay online, we're going to keep preaching to you online because we know how important it is.
God has been there every step of the way. And I'm so thankful that he's going to continue to be there every step along the way as we go this next 11 years. I hope you have that grateful heart. And I hope you're ready to experience what God has as we move forward for the kingdom of God. Now, I kind of want to open up with a goodbye. I don't know if you guys all know my friend here. Uh, she's actually a valuable person at the church, and she's now leaving the church. Her name's Raquel, and she's been so uh, important to our church in so many different ways. She came to the church a couple years ago, but she really got involved and invested in Kids Rock and, and, and the youth group and in Steadfast, and she's really been a valued person at our church, but she's now been called to go back home and go back to an area and be there. God is calling her. That's why she's leaving. She's an obedient person. And as she was leaving, she's kind of left. She's going to be back on Sunday. She's actually going to do a live uh, uh, testimony. But since she's not here during this filming time, I just want to read this thank you letter that she sent the Journey staff and, and board because this is really cool. And this is the essence of what Jesus has done. She writes this, Journey team, Thank you so much for all your work and effort and your faith and dedication. Ministry is so apathetic towards God. Our ministry is this apathetic towards God society. And it's probably one of the hardest jobs that you and you guys have done some amazing things, at least in my case, she says, having greatly helped me go closer to God and love him more and more every day. I love that. But here's the best part. When I first started attending in August 2018, so almost three years she was with us, I was going through a very difficult time with her mental health. And to the point where she was surprised that she was still alive. That's what it says. It's an amazing story. And I, I'm just blown away by what she continues to write. She says, I, was seriously I seriously believed that my anxiety, anxiety was going to make me permanently lose my mind. I felt like something in my life, in my body, in my being was broken. But the message from God from the first time that we, she was there mainly focused on this. Humans are God's masterpiece, not just a side project, but, but hearing it multiple times, she heard that Humans are God's masterpiece. And it was said multiple times, because that's kind of how I teach. I remember the message. And over time, through that sermon, her mind and her heart and her soul, something shifted inside of it. You'll probably know, never know about all that the good that God has done through this ministry. But I thought I would share about this one, her Thank you, everybody, for what you've done. I love this story. I love this amazing lady. She was with us at um, Six Flags with the junior high and high school this week. She just has a heart for ministry. But the idea here is this, that that message that healed her, I remember having a conversation with a couple after that message talking about you missed the, the, the verses before that, one through nine in Ephesians. And I told everybody, hey, I'm going to read these verses, but I'm going to only focus on one verse. This is what God wants me to talk about. This verse helped her, healed her, brought her to a different place. This other one took this couple and they started arguing with me. And uh, that following week, I'm like, well, what do you want me to teach? And they gave me some stuff thinking this is what we should teach. And in the middle of going through it, I'm like, this isn't what God wants. This is what uh, uh, the, the human wants. And a couple of weeks later, or a couple of months later, that couple left the church thinking that oh, the theology or what God was doing wasn't right. But they wanted what man wants. But God wanted to do something in this young lady. 
and that message, if she's the only one got, that got impacted, praise God for that, being obedient, being Holy Spirit-led. And I, I, before I kind of move on from this, I, I love this girl. She also created this thing called J-Rod's Bingo, and it's really cool. And I'm going to ask Dustin to kind of put this in the chat. But J-Rod's Bingo, she's, she's got this really crazy sense of humor. And she wrote down a bunch of notes. And you know how I am. I repeat a lot of the same things. And you can see in here that she plays bingo every time I do a message. And I just want to play this game. And if you guys get bingo reach out to me on my email and I'm going to send you a cup of coffee from Starbucks. As we go through the message today, I want you to say, if I ever cry, which is going to happen, or if I talk about, you know, tacos or something, write it down and let's play bingo or come to the service live in a couple of minutes and join us as we play it as a whole church uh, this Sunday on our birthday. God is good and he's done wonderful things. And I am so grateful and I hope today as we talk about Luke chapter 17 about these 10 leopards that you will be grateful with us. Here's the question. Jesus is, is asking us questions. We're doing this sermon series where Jesus is asking questions in his red letter writings in the gospel. And here's this obscure question, but it really has a powerful impact in our life. And here's what it says. It says this in, in Luke chapter 17, verse 18. Has no one returned to give God the glory except this foreigner? And as we dig into this obscure question, you're going to see this is really about being uh, in a life of gratitude or in a mindset of gratitude. Marcus uh, Cicero writes this, and he's a, you know, a Roman statesman, one of the senators. He was also a philosophy guy. He really changed the political system. He writes this, gratitude is not only the greatest virtue, but it's the parent or of, of all other virtues. Another one says it's the mother of all virtues. It births all these other virtues. Gratitude is the highest part and everything else kind of comes out of that into the concept of virtues. So let's open up our Bible to Luke chapter 17 and let's dig in and read this story about gratitude because I promise you it'll warm your heart by the end. Here's what it says. Luke chapter 17 verse 11 and uh, just bear with me. I'm dyslexic so if I, if I jack it up just keep reading and trust me God will make it work and clear in your head. Here's what it says. As Jesus continues on towards Jerusalem he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, let me stop for a second. This word master in the Greek actually means chief or commander. And the idea here is the leopards are calling out to this person saying, you are the commander, you are the chief, you are the master of life and death. You are the master of diseases and, and, and healings. And as they're crying out to him, they want life and healing from this guy that understands and controls life and death. Verse 13, verse 14 says, he looked away. He looked at them and said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of leprosy. Let's just spend some time praying. And I want you, as you're online, put those praying emojis in the prayer box and let's spend some time praying and being thankful to what God has already done in our lives. Father, we love you and we praise you and we ask for you to do a work in us. 
Lord, let there be salvation that comes through this online service or podcast. Let there be a revelation from the Father's heart, and I pray that you will literally transform somebody like we saw you transform Raquel by listening to a simple message and hearing over and over how important God is in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, and we thank you, and we ask that you gift us this spirit of gratitude in our lives for the rest of our lives on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So this journey that Jesus is doing, he's heading back to Jerusalem. If you've ever been in Israel, there's northern Israel and, and southern Israel. Jerusalem's in southern Israel. And he's heading from the north down into the, uh, the southern part of Israel, which is called Jerusalem. This journey starts back in Luke 15. If you go back and flip back a few pages, you'll see Jesus is now heading back to Jerusalem. And he's heading ultimately to his death and his resurrection. Now, this story isn't necessarily in chronological order. If you read it, it said uh, they came on the border between Galilee and Samaria. But here's the thing. That's pretty high up in northern Israel. There's a little bit further down, but Luke here isn't probably worried about chronological order. He's worried about a spiritual discipleship order. And so he kind of changes it up a little bit. They're probably a little bit farther down the road at this time uh, in the chronological order. But here, this really teaches us something about spirituality. Now, as Jesus comes into this area, he's encountered uh, by 10 lepers, this leper community. Now, they're a mix of both Jews and Samaritans. Leprosy doesn't discriminate. And it reminds me of the catastrophic problem with drug addiction, especially opioids right now, taking pills. It doesn't discriminate rich and old, young and, 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 and uh, poor. It doesn't discriminate races or creeds or ethnicities. Drug addiction doesn't discriminate. And here we see leprosy didn't either. Anybody could get it. It was highly contagious. And in this day and age, people with leprosy were looked upon as God had afflicted them with this divine punishment. They, they, they thought, oh, this man or his family must have really sinned. That's why they had leprosy. They also talked about being barren as the same kind of thing as like, oh, God's punishing them for some sort of sin. Now, now we know that that's not true because that's not who God is. One of the reasons that Jesus comes back to the world is to tell us knuckleheads that God isn't the God that most of the people really knew before Jesus came. Everybody thought he was mean and evil and he was a murderer. The truth is God is loving and caring. He's full of grace and full of mercy. And he wants us to be grateful for what he's doing. Now, let's talk a little bit between the issues of the, the Jews and the Samaritans. What makes a Samaritan? What makes a Jew? And what's their big issue? In 721 BC, that would be before Christ or before the common era, the, the Jewish people were exiled and uh, the Samaritans, what they did was they were Jewish people that intermarried with the, Samarit uh, with the Assyrians and that's how they became Samaritans. They intermarried and they mixed their race with Assyrians and Jewish people. Now, the Jewish people were exiled and they thought they were the purest, but the Samaritans thought, no, we stayed in the neighborhood and we protected the Torah, we protected Israel and we kept things alive. Both these two, the Samaritans and the Jewish people, 
people thought they were better than each other. And that's why there was tension. One thought they had the real mountain of worship. The other one thought, that, you know, the, the Jewish mountain of worship was more important. But these two had conflict. One thought they were the protector of the Torah. The other thought they were the purest, the true God's chosen people with no intermarrying. And this brought conflict, obviously. It's like our Democrats and Republicans. We, we don't see eye to eye and we look at things differently and we think we worship different mountains. And the truth is, if we laid out most of the stuff on the table, we could find a lot of common ground, just like the Samaritans and the Jewish people. Now, Jesus isn't afraid of leopards. Here he doesn't interact with the leopards by touching them. But in Matthew chapter 8, he touches a leper and he is healed through Jesus Christ. But Jesus does a different type of healing today as he encounters these 10 lepers. As he approaches the 10, they are to call out by law, the Levitical law. If you look at Leviticus 13 and 14, you see all these things about this, this infectious skin disease and what you're supposed to do. And what they're supposed to do is have a face cover and call out unclean unclean as someone walks near to them now maybe you've been in church and you've heard this type of story but it kind of has a covid ring to it doesn't it face covered and you know kind of going don't come by my house i got covid unclean unclean but it seems like all of us should be doing that every day because we all are sinners the bible says and we all are unclean and we need a savior to clean us up and make us right just a, just a thought as we're digging through and, uh, and, and pressing into the text today. Both the Jews and the Samaritans knew the Levitical law. They were keepers of the law. They understood it. They knew the law as did Jesus. So when Jesus tells them, hey, as they're yelling, have mercy on us, Jesus says, hey, just go to the priest. Go see the priest right now because they knew the only way they could get back to their family and into healing is have the priest say, you're clean and in seven days you can go back in. So what happened was on the way there, they walked in a direction towards the priest and they were healed and they were going to be at some point moved out of isolation or out of this leper colony into a new life. But rarely did people ever get healed from leprosy. At one point in my seminary courses, I heard the only people that were healed in leprosy were the ones that God and Jesus healed in all of history. Rarely did a person get healed of leprosy unless they had a small bout of it and it kind of wandered away. It was a life sentence and still is. If you look it up, type in Google and look at leper colonies today, there's still people with leprosy. It's a life sentence. And here's the last thing you need to know before we move on to verse 15. That Jesus said, go, go back to the priest. And here's the thing, they weren't healed, but they just, go, they just went. They walked in faith, not by sight. They're like, well, this guy says to go see the priest, so we're going to head to the priest. And as they go, it says they are cleansed of their leprosy. Now, this is the best part, and I hope God will allow you to grab on to what we have. This is the key part. I love this section. This is where it kind of all comes to fruition. And here's what it says. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. This is an interesting part. This is uh, the, the essence of the message of gratitude. This is the message of the whole. When we thank God 
not just for the gifts, but thank him for who he is, we truly please the Lord and enjoy the spiritual healing that comes from his gratefulness and his gratitude of, 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 of loving and, and cherishing his children. This is the message that all of us need to celebrate on this journey birthday Sunday. Grateful people or people with a gratitude, a heart of gratitude, experience higher levels of positive emotions. Does that make sense? People that are more grateful have a better disposition, a better life. They're, the way they see the world is better. They enjoy, they have uh, emotions of joy, enthusiasm, love, happiness, and optimism. That's the way they live their life because they're full of gratitude. The practice of gratitude or the discipline of gratitude protects a person from destructive, impulsive behaviors like resentment, like greed, uh, like enviness or bitterness. When we are in a place of gratitude, it, it pushes that out. But when we are in our safe of, uh, a place of selfishness, when we are, are, are into ourself, we are actually into the, uh, uh, the, the enemy's territory of envy, resentment, bitterness, and greediness. My takeaway is this, and this kind of blows me away, that humans struggle in a mighty way with gratitude. We struggle with gratitude. And apparently... So do people with infectious skin diseases. They struggle with the idea of gratitude. As well as those that are living in a place of unprecedented time of peace and prosperity, which is me and you. Do you realize over the last 25 years, the last generation, we've had a little bit of war, but nothing major, no world wars. We live in an unprecedented time, unprecedented time of peace and prosperity. And so this message is for us. So before you get into the toppers line today, before, focus on what this concept of gratitude is. Or better yet, come to the barbecue after the message and have burgers and brats with us and get rid of the toppers line. Here's what Rick Warren says. You know Rick Warren, that big pastor, uh, that, that not big pastor, but that pastor of a big church saddleback. He writes this. He wrote Purpose Driven Church, and here's what he says. Anybody can be thankful to God for good things, but when you can be thankful to God in bad things, your faith grows and your spiritual roots grow deeper. When you can be thankful for the pandemic and for the struggles and the economic downturn and the things that have happened, you have now become a mature person. Colossians chapter 2 talks about the maturity of a grateful heart. And in Colossians chapter 3, it says that mature Christian grows deeper roots. And that's what Rick's talking about here. When you, when you live in a heart of gratitude, even bad things can be a great thing. And for me, the pandemic has brought some really good things to my family and to me and even to the church. One of those things is focusing on you guys online, making sure you have a quality message every Sunday. We need to learn to be grateful. I was actually against it for the first four or five months going, this is too much work. It's too hard for me. And now I'm embracing it and want to do it more just to communicate to you personally. Here's what verse 17 says. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Now circle that or just kind of sit on that for a second. We're going to come back to that. And here's this obscure question. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner, this Samaritan? Even Jesus kind of puts his nose up to a Samaritan because he was raised that they're different and we're the purists. So Jesus is like this foreigner, this guy, he's the only one. Now it's like 
here's an example. It's not a great example, but think of someone coming from another country that loves our voting system better uh, better than you. They really appreciate votes and going to vote. They know the Constitution better. They know the preamble better. They know the Declaration of Independence better. They're more focused on our civics than you are. We see that all the time. You see people that are foreigners going, man, your political system is so amazing because they don't have the same rights. It's that's what Jesus is saying here. This guy is coming back and he's not really part of the chosen people that Jesus is giving this message to. But this foreigner has come back to worship God. But this story is really about the nine other men. There were 10 men healed. That's what Jesus said. Didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? Why didn't they come back? That's the real story here. Now, how often does this story relate to you? How often has Jesus uh, blessed you or gifted you something and you've taken it for granted? How often do you fail to say thank you, God, for the good things that he's given you? How often did you say thank you, God, for even the tough moments during the pandemic? and the things that you're struggling with. This is really about us. To enjoy the gift, but forget the giver, God, you're really disrespecting God and disrespecting the giver. Parents are always, un, you know, aren't, aren't always thanked correctly for kids and kids aren't always thanked correctly by parents. And we, we, we love the gift, but we forget the giver. And that's just a concept that humans need to deal with. God needs to be praised and we need to be grateful for what he's doing. Let me give you some reasons why these nine should be grateful to God and why they should be back along with that one Samaritan. They should be grateful or thankful for God and his providence bringing Jesus into that area. They should be grateful that God in his great love gave mercy to those people that needed mercy when they cried out, have mercy on us. And they should be grateful for God's grace and the power to heal him in the name of Jesus so that they can be back with their family and free from this death sentence or life sentence of leprosy. And as I think of all of this, and I think about it on this birthday party, is am I one of them? Am I the one or am I really one of those nine? Some days I'm the one, many days I'm part of the nine that are ungrateful and not celebrating. Gratitude is hard to cultivate. And, and think about it as like farming. It's hard to cultivate. It's opposed by some deeply ingrained human traits. Something in particular like wanting to control my own destiny is in the way from my gratitude heart. It's the tendency to want to credit myself and blame others. That's in the way. And human nature is in the way from me really becoming a, a man full of gratitude. And I guarantee you if it's in my way, it's in all of our ways. Today, our society, we seek more and more to be independent rather than a collective society. Think about it. Think about our political season. We want to be separated by our politics instead of coming together collectively. Gratitude undermines the sense of autonomy and self-efficiency. We tend to want to separate ourselves instead of congregate together. Listen, I'm asking you, if you've been watching church online for a while, can you make it a, 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 a plan to come once a month at least? We want to see you. We want to love on you. We want to worship with you together. We want to come back together collectively because when we are together, 
we are stronger. And that's what God wants us to do. Our human nature doesn't leave much room for gratitude. The human sin and human nature and our sin nature, it's, it doesn't create much room for gratitude. But when I'm in a fully, uh, when I'm in a mindset of gratitude, it's really truly an attainment of, of, of maturity. It's really a high level of maturity. And more precisely, it's emotional maturity and spiritual maturity with God. And it can come at any age. There's a couple of youths in our church that are more mature than some people that have been Christians for 40 years. But here's the other thing. Most commonly, it doesn't come at all for many Christians and many people on this earth. We tend to kind of parent, parrot, like the bird parrot, this concept since we are children to say thank you. You can hear your mom and dad tell Mr. and Mrs. Smith thank you and we're constantly told from little kids say thank you, say thank you even if you don't mean it. And so it's been ingrained in our human nature to say thank, be, say thank you even when we don't really mean it. And as adults we say thank you uh, and express gratitude or some semblance of it simply because doing so is useful and not rude and it's really something that we're supposed to do, not something that we really mean to do. We're not really thankful when you say, thanks for your groceries or thanks for my coffee. You're just saying it because it's polite. Otherwise, you're like, wow, that guy was kind of rude. But genuine gratitude, on the other hand, is very rare. And it's what we call an accomplished virtue. Cicero says that virtue is the parent of all virtues. It's that high level thing, that high level mark that only God can do for us. And that's what we want to do. Now, I want to share a story. It's, this kind of reminds me. I can see Liz with the three girls reading this story. And it's the story from Aesop. And it's the, the fable about a, a slave and a lion. And it's a really cool story. And it helps us understand gratitude. Aesop tells a story about a slave who escapes the Roman government. And he runs into the forest. And as this slave escapes and he runs into the forest, he's running all day. He gets to a tree and he's out of breath and he's winded and he just needs to take a break and rest. And as he lays on the tree and he's kind of catching his breath and he's relaxing, feels like he's out of danger. He looks around him and all of a sudden he sees a lion. Now the lion he thinks is going to devour him, but he finds out instantly that the lion's actually hurt and he's, he's licking his wounds and he's licking his paw and he's whimpering and crying. So he looks at the lion's paw and the lion has a thorn in it. And this is a really cool uh, children's fable. And so what this slave does is he takes the thorn out. Now all of a sudden the lion's licking his face and licking his paw because he's so grateful that now the pain is gone and he can go back to living his life. Now years go by and the lion is captured and put into a Roman control and is used in the lion's den and also years later the slave is captured and brought back to Rome. Now when you are against the government and you go against the government you are thrown into the lion's den. We see that similar in Daniel uh, as well and Daniel in the lion's den. But here's what happens. The emperor says we found this slave. He is to be thrown into the lion's den and everybody gathers on Friday night to go and celebrate a uh, little bit of dinner and maybe a little bit of vino and watch somebody get eaten by a lion. But as this slave is thrown into the lion's den and the lion runs to devour the man, the lion looks up and he sees 
that it's the guy that pulled the thorn out of his hand. And instead of devouring him, he licks him and jumps into his lap. And all of a sudden, everybody that's watching this lion uh, den kind of Friday night entertainment starts laughing and cheering. And the emperor wants to know what happened. So he, he takes the man out of the lion's den and says, how did this happen? And the guy goes, many years ago, I pulled this thorn out. And obviously, he's grateful that I did that. And so instead of devouring me, he saved me. And the emperor was so blown away that he freed the slave and the lion and they went out and lived together uh, in, the, in the forest where they met. And that's a pretty cool story. The Aesop, this, this Roman philosopher would say, gratitude is the sign of a moral soul. It's this high mark of being a moral soul. Are you a moral soul? Gratitude is not earned so cheaply. The slave didn't earn gratitude cheaply. Have you ever wrestled or helped a lion? Probably not. Gratitude is hard. Gratitude doesn't just require feeling thankful, but it requires acting on it and living it out. That's the idea here. And that's what we're trying to move uh, this Sunday into your life is gratitude is critical. When I understand this, my mind really kind of gets me into a better place. Here's some, here's kind of some thoughts. It's a little poem. It says, joyful moments, praise God. Trying moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, man, I got to trust God. In every moment, I need to be thankful to God. And that's the idea that we're trying to get. Every moment we should be thankful to God, whether good or bad. And that's what we see here with Jesus as he concludes this in verse 19. This man has now worshiped him. And now Jesus says this in verse 19. And this is our last verse today. Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. This is a really cool ending and I want to share a little bit more about this verse or this story. The nine other men, they were told to go to the priest. And they went to the priest and they were declared clean because Jesus healed them physically. He healed their leprosy and they were declared clean and they went back to their normal lives at some point, we assume. But the one that went to Christ, he became a priest of sorts. He became a minister of reconciliation. He becomes the priest. And what he does is he builds an altar at the feet of Jesus and worships God correctly. This man's priestly duties is to fall and worship God at the altar. Jesus not only healed him physically like the nine other lepers, but he also heals him uh, spiritually or eternally. And now this man is eternally free, just like that slave that we saw in the parable of Aesop. He is free forever, eternally free from slavery. And now the opportunity to live as a, as a man of God, even though he's a foreigner. So here's some thoughts as we close. Gratitude, it comes from a humble and grateful heart. That's where it comes from. Are you grateful? Are you humble? That's the beginning of how this story all begins. One of the leper's journeys goes like this. And this is just highlighting some words as you do an inductive Bible study. Here's what it says. He cried out to Jesus. He walked in faith for Jesus. He came back to Jesus. He praised Jesus. He worshiped Jesus. And he stand up and went for Jesus. That's the heart of a gratitude. Uh, uh, that's the heart of someone who's grateful. That's the heart of someone who truly knows God. 
Now, as we celebrate this birthday today, I want you to know that, you know, our mission is to love the world one person at a time. And I'm so grateful to what God has done. It's really exciting to celebrate with you today. So if you got an opportunity, even though it's still late, our service starts at 10 o'clock, come down and grab a burger or a brat, hang out with us. We're going to do some wiffle ball, but come and celebrate with us. If not this Sunday, make it a plan to come one Sunday. And if you're out of state or something and you played the bingo game, email me at Jeff at Journey of the Church. Let me see your bingo card and I'll send you a cup of coffee through uh, some Lord of online mechanism. I'm so grateful that you joined us today and I am so grateful that I get to pray for you. And I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit goes through, the, through this lens right now and right where you're at. And I hope you feel that. Father, we love you. Give us that mature heart to be grateful in every circumstance. Help us grab things out of this pandemic that can really shape us and mold us so that we can be a better human and a better Christian in the future. Lord, I pray that these next 11 years for this church will be even greater, 10 times greater than what we did in the first 11 years. And I pray that we plant five more churches in the States. And I pray that we get a building. And I ask, Lord, that you do some, some stuff so amazing that everybody knows that you are really for us and not against us. If there's someone online that doesn't know Jesus and is watching right now and they want all that God has, all you have to do is open up that humble heart and be grateful to who God is and say a prayer of salvation, confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. You will also be saved and become a child of God. So just repeat it with me. Father, forgive me for my sins. Father, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. You died upon the cross for me and you rose again three days later so that I can live with you in eternity. And I'm grateful for that. Holy Spirit, overtake my life, my mind, my body and my soul so that I can be a, a, a better person and a better follower now and until I meet you in heaven. Amen, amen, and amen.